I've been wrestling with purpose. What was I created for? I'm more than what you see on the surface. See beneath my skin and scars. I'm skinned and scarred. Marred and twisted. Scarred by the past I need to be lifted. And sometimes I question my own existence. What was I put here for? In my seams, it seems that there seems to be more. It's like I'm a light unplugged from the socket. I mean, do I really exist to put money in my pocket? This nine to five feels like a nine to nine. My mind entwined, I pass the time, life circles me as I wait. What is my estate? I feel like I was made for something great and yet I can't quite put my finger on it. But when I look at my fingers and I see their design, I realize I'm one of a kind and something created me. No, someone created me. And that someone made me for a reason. Even though it's clear the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing, this calling, that even in the midst of my falling, there was someone who died to pick me up, someone who rose to fix me up, someone who's coming back to lift me up. And that someone is Jesus. See, God made me for a purpose. And when I delight in him, it's brought to the surface. Good morning, church. Man, I'm so glad you guys are here today. What a great time to be together to celebrate our risen Savior. We do serve a risen Savior, do we not? Uh, He blesses us in so many different ways, and we come together to celebrate uh, that blessing that we have in Christ, uh, to lift His name on high, to dig into His Word, to see how He's called us to live, to gather around the Lord's table, celebrate His death and resurrection, uh, but also to encourage each other on the journey, and what a joy it is to be with you today as we encourage one another uh, to continue to live out the life that God has called us to live in Jesus Christ. We also want to say welcome to our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us and being a part of our assembly this morning. And our hope, of course, would be if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to be a part of our Crosspoint family right here, to be the spiritual place where you're going to raise your family together using your gift sets uh, at kickball tonight to come in contact with... Well, that was a slip, sorry. But we are glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. We're going to start a brand new series today called Build a Bridge, and over the next few weeks, we're going to dig into the life that God's called us to live in that, not following the script the world gives us, but the script that God has given us, as we wonder and discover how do we dig out of maybe some anger and resentment that are in our life? How do we dig into and lean into the story of freedom, peace, and joy that we've been called to live out? In Christ Jesus. And so I hope that you'll join me over these next few weeks, three or four weeks, as we dig into this idea and rediscover how we can have that freedom in Christ that only He can give us. I want to say, too, that last week there was such an outpouring um, during uh, the, the song after the message. Many of you came and laid cards at the cross, things that you're struggling with, relationships that you're having to deal with, some fears and anxieties going on in your life. And while we don't know who wrote those and we don't know the names on those cards, I want you to know that we as a staff looked at those cards, we prayed over those cards, and you'll continue to be with us through the course of this summer as I know the Holy Spirit is doing things in your life to re- Resolve maybe some things that are happening uh, to you and, and 
and uh, in your life with other people that you've got connections with uh, because we want you to have peace. We want you to have resolve and resolution. Uh, and so we'll be praying over those cards as well. Kale's already mentioned this again, but I want to reiterate the need for all of us to be here tonight to connect. Now, we're going to have the building open. It's going to be hot, but the AC will be on inside. You can sneak in here and get out of the heat if you need to. Kona Ice is going to be here as well, so you can kind of ice yourself down a little bit. Uh, Shepherds are going to be cooking hot dogs, and we'll watch the, uh, the game play out. If you want to play, that'd be great. Otherwise, we can sit back and laugh at people who are trying to play. You can join me in that as well. It'll be a great time to connect tonight. I hope that you'll be back at 5 o'clock to be a part of that process. But uh, as we dig into this idea of anger and resentment and how do we resolve that in our life, the truth is those are things that happen to us uh, on a daily basis sometimes. Sometimes it's things that have happened long ago that we're still thinking about. We tend to dwell on that at times as human beings. We're not sure how to get rid of it, to move through it, to, to lean into the life that God has called us to live out. I mean, yes, those people did those things to you and your family. They said those things about you. There were things in your life, maybe distant, maybe it was this weekend, where somebody did something that was hurtful to you, and you're trying to discover how do you move through that process. And what we discover, though, is that Jesus doesn't call us to a life of dwelling within anger and resentment. And we're called to imitate Jesus Christ. We're called to do what he's called us to do, to live out the life he's called us to live. And as we looked at a few weeks ago, we discovered the grace that God extends to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And because Jesus has extended grace to us, we also extend grace to those around us. Yes, even those people who have hurt us badly, even folks that that we'd rather just not be in a room with right now. God's called us to live out and imitate Jesus Christ in that process. And as we uncover that gospel message, what we discover is that it is really not an option, but a mandate for those of us who say that Jesus is Lord. For those of us who have surrendered to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, make all things new in my life, it also includes this realm of living as well. It is not an easy thing to move through the anger that you may be experiencing, the resentment in a relationship that you may be experiencing or harboring. But we're called to be different people than the world around us because we've made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Paul writes uh, several letters to the church at Corinth, and they uh, had a lot of different things going on. But our text is going to start out in 2 Corinthians chapter this morning. I hope you've got your Bibles with you and will turn there with me. All of our text will be on the screen. We'll eventually get to Ephesians chapter 4, which will be our text for this whole series. Uh, but this morning, let's start out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because Paul has something important to tell you and to tell me. And the first church that he's writing to here about what it means to be found in Christ Jesus. He says and starts in verse 14, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus wants us to know as his followers that we're called to a different lifestyle. As difficult as it may be sometimes, we're called to look different than the world around us. 
And we're called to shine, extend grace and mercy, to be compassionate and kind as we deal with folks, and yes, even folks who may have hurt us along the way. And Paul says, listen, when your focus is on Jesus, you will have less focus on where your needs aren't being met. You'll have less focus on the moments where maybe you've been hurt along the way. When our focus is on Jesus, we're reminded of how he endured hardship and how we are called to live. Paul goes on in that same chapter in verse 19, and he says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Paul is saying, listen, if you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you have surrendered to him, then you are surrendering to a life that represents Jesus to those around you. You have become the message of reconciliation to all those that you come in contact with. You are reenacting how Jesus has acted with you. Not an easy thing always to do, but what we're called to do. I love the message version of verse 18 in the same text, and it says, all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him, and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. It's this idea that we want our relationship reconciled not only horizontally, but vertically as well. We want both relationships to be peaceful and joyful and full of love and compassion. And that's a different approach than this world takes to relationships who generally say it's all about me and what I want in this relationship. But knowing how Jesus has reconciled us to our creator, God, that that brings a life of celebration, doesn't it, church? It it makes you want to live every day to its fullest, knowing that you have blessing because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, how he's reconciled us and our mess-ups. But you and I here at times in our relationships, you know, just get over it. Just, Just move on. And that seems somewhat dismissive, doesn't it? Because you've experienced the pain that's come in that moment. I mean, it sounds almost like you're making a big deal out of something that's really not a big deal. But for you, it is a big deal because it happened to you. And maybe you didn't get chosen for the team or you were bullied in high school. Maybe you endured something along the way and because of that you your, your marriage ended in a divorce, and there were some ugly things said in that process. Maybe somewhere along the way, you were called a name, or your family was ostracized, and you feel the emotional tug at every single one of those memories in your life. But the question remains for us this morning, the very first one to tackle is, how do I get over it? How, how do I move through it? If I'm following Jesus Christ, if I truly want to be surrendered to him, how do I move through the idea that I had an absentee father when I was growing up? My my childhood is gone. I'll never get it back. How how do I move through a mother who is always correcting me and yelling? How do I move through a, a co-worker who stabbed me in the back in order to get that promotion and then was promoted over me when I worked so hard for that? How do I move through that? How do, how do I move through a spouse that maybe stepped out and cheated on me? Because, see, those types of things you just don't get over. They're tough. 
difficult. And that's why we need Jesus Christ in this process. Because it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we overcome. So what are my options if I decide not to get over it? What's what's my life going to look like if I decide just to sit here and stew? Well, ultimately, we let it define who we are. That moment, that person, that relationship. Or we we let it define our future relationships. Who who am I going to talk to? Who am I going to hang out with? Who am I going to be vulnerable with? Who am I going to expose my life to? And we pull back on some of those great relationships that we may have had because we're letting one thing that happened in life dictate who those people will be. Maybe we let that hurt kind of simmer within us and it morphs us into someone who is bitter and lonely their entire life. If we don't learn how to move through pain and hurt and anger and resentment biblically, life ahead of us doesn't seem very promising or fun. And I know God wants us to be blessed in lots of ways. So what should I do? This morning, I want to give you a couple of ideas of things I believe we should do and a couple of things that I think that at times we end up doing that are not very healthy. And I want to unpack some of that this morning, but I want to remind you as we move through these things that this is the first in a series, and so you'll want to come back over the next few weeks as we continue to unpack this very practical and healthy way to deal with relationships that have been hurtful along the way. But the very first thing that you and I have got to do is that we've got to identify it, whatever it is that is making us feel like this. And for some of you, it's really easy. You know what it is. It's this one person who has been the same person to you over and over and over in your life. It's just you can expect this from them every time they're with you, they're in the room, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a collection of its. You've been treated a certain way by different people in different circumstances, but this is what seems to happen every time you kind of roll out of bed in the morning. It's a collection of its. For some of you, it's going to be very awkward and weird because this morning you're sitting beside it. (laughs) You're going to have to work through that. Rob and I, once a year, we haven't done it in about a year, but uh, we, we have a closet. And uh, we go through the closet once a, And this is not our closet, by the way. <laughs> I had to explain it. I heard some snickering for a service, and I said, they think this is my closet. No, this is not our closet. But once a year, we try to cull through our closet and, and look at clothes that we haven't worn in a year, shoes we haven't worn in a year, and think, we're probably not going to wear those clothes again. And so we cull those out, and we send those kind of down the road to someone who may can use them. And that's a great metaphor for our heart, isn't it? Sometimes we miss the, the fun, the joy, because of all the junk that's covering that up, Right? Sometimes we look in our closet and it's just full of junk and we can't see the great things that we have that we could wear. And sometimes those things that that bring us joy, the most joy in life, are obscured by the things that we really shouldn't have in there anymore. And this, this series, I want us to call the Holy Spirit into our life 
to help us cull and get rid of some of that junk so that we can have the joy that only Jesus Christ can provide you and me. We need to move some of that stuff out of our heart so we can live out the life that God's called us to live in his son, Jesus Christ. We want to build that bridge to the peace that only the Holy Spirit can provide. We want to build that bridge to the joy and the great relationships that only Jesus Christ can provide. But some of us have been holding on to some stuff for way too long. And it's time to call that out. Paul writes another letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4. And one of my challenges today for you, church, is that this week you would read through the letter to the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. It's only six chapters long, might take you 20 minutes in one setting. Uh, But it's a great book because the first three chapters talk to us, the reader, about what it's like to be transformed by Jesus, what Jesus has done for us, and how we're called into that reconciled life. The last three chapters uh, call us to live like we've been transformed. So how do we deal with people in our life the last three chapters? How do we interact? So it's a great book, only six chapters. The challenge this week is to read through the book of Ephesians before next Sunday. But we'll start this morning in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 beginning. Don't sin by letting any uh, anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Church, isn't that a good sentence? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. A couple of words I want to bring to our attention here in your text. If you've got your Bible up, you might want to circle the word anger there in verse 31. The Greek word really means this idea of white, hot temper. That you're just ready to go off at a moment's notice. We need to, we need to not be people like that if we claim to follow Jesus Christ. The other one is bitterness. And it's this idea of this simmering emotional state. It's just below the surface. And it could erupt in any moment. You want to lash out maybe at someone else. And so sometimes these kind of things exist in our life because, first of all, we try to repress it. We try to make it something that isn't there. We try to hide it, if you will. We don't want anyone to see what that is in our life, so we just metaphorically shut the closet door because we don't want people to see that junk. And so we just keep it in there nice and tidy and tucked away. But the thing about repressing items like that, they have a high rate of resurrection. Usually at the moment you don't want it to be resurrected. You've had those moments before just like I have where you erupt and stuff just goes everywhere. Maybe some of you have been watching over the last couple of weeks the volcano that's erupting in Hawaii, the lava flow and the spew, and sometimes in the right moment, That's what it looks like in our life because we've tried to suppress and push down and not talk about and steer away from rather than biblically taking care of what we need to to look like people of God. Well, how do I identify that in my life? What what might alert me that I've got some of that going on in my life that suppress, that repress? 
those moments. One of them might be that you get angry over the little things in life, just the little things. Now, I want you to hear me this morning that anger is not a bad thing. Directed in the right direction, it is appropriate and even biblical. We know in Jesus' life, the last uh, week he was on the earth before his crucifixion, he was in the temple, he got very angry, overturned the money changers' table. It was righteous indignation. And there are moments in our current culture where we too, as followers of Jesus Christ, probably have the right to be a little bit angry. One of those might be racial discrimination. Never okay. God shows no favoritism. Doesn't matter what skin color you are, what ethnicity you are, what your educational level is, it does not matter. That is not okay for Christian people. Or maybe you've experienced bullying or seen it happen, whether it's in the home, on the playground, wherever it might be, somebody trying to usurp authority and push down on other people. That is not okay. Child abuse. Okay to get angry about that. It's not okay for our children to be abused in any way. We need to protect them. See, that's the kind of anger when it's surrendered to God, there's a positive outcome on the other side. There's a good biblical thing that happens because you're not happy with what's going on there. But for some of us, we want to hold on to some of those little things in life that create these outbursts. Maybe you've seen it happen before. I've been front row seat with me before. You've seen those little things bubble to the top. When you get angry over the little things, you're standing in the hotel lobby and the elevator's taking its own sweet time to come down, and you've just pushed that button about 100 times. You've seen that happen. Maybe you're sitting at the red light and it's just not changing quick enough, and so you beat up the steering wheel because you've got somewhere to be, and the guy next to you thinks that guy is crazy. Your child spills a drink at the dinner table, and you just erupt. It's just not acceptable. Maybe in your life you you find yourself really complaining about really everything. Here's a challenge, church, and this will be tough. Challenge this week is to ask your spouse or a close friend that you'll see most every day of the week to say, if I start to get negative again, I want you to thump me to tell me that I'm doing that. And some of you already are going, uh-uh, I ain't telling. <laughs> no, I'm not giving anybody permission for that. Because you already know that's where you are. The challenge is to do that self-test this week, to allow yourself to be vulnerable and let people tell you, hey, you're going that direction again. Some of us see everything through just a negative lens. Well, my baby turned in her paper, and the teacher gave her a B, and I know she got an A. I'm going to go down there and talk to her. Or the the server at the restaurant didn't fill your drink glass up quick enough. Or maybe your neighbor has done something not quite right and you're just not going to talk to them about it but stew. Sometimes that anger is, is toward ourselves, isn't it? Because of poor choices we've made in the past, yet we haven't forgiven ourselves yet. Although we say the words, I know Jesus has forgiven me, we can't forgive ourselves. Anger sometimes is, is toward us. Another idea might be that may, maybe you're just a little oversensitive. Maybe you're a little defensive in the process. And some of you right now said, that's not me. <laughs> See? You jump to the conclusion already. 
You're making excuses. And you think, well, no one's ever told me that I'm defensive. Why, you ask? Because we walk around eggshells on you with you. Sometimes we repress it. Other times we rehearse it. It's a moment where we just play that videotape over in our head again and again and again. We lay in bed at night and we justify why we feel like we do. Why we are so angry and justify that it's okay. If this person hadn't done this to me, then my life would look like fill in the blank. And we sit there and we rationalize it. But Paul reminds us in verse 27, don't give Satan a foothold. Let Jesus reign in your heart. Not Satan. Paul says it's that negative emotion that allows him access to the rooms in our heart that truly only Jesus Christ should have if we have fully surrendered to him. It should be that moment where we give it up to Jesus Christ. But it creates a really bad situation, for instance. Do you know since 2012, Sandy Hook... There have been 187 school shootings because somebody didn't get their way, somebody didn't go out with the right girl, somebody didn't get the right grade, and they were dropped from a... I mean, the list goes on and on. And so because you're upset and angry and not talked about that, someone has to lose their life? Hmm. There are lots of studies out there that just tell us it's a health risk for each and every one of us. If you are harboring anger, if you're harboring resentment, in your own life. The probability for heart attack goes up. The probability for stroke goes up. The probability for anxiety goes up. Your lung function actually goes down and you probably are going to have depression. And Paul says, don't let Satan get a foothold. Don't let him have you. And so many times our spouse and our kids suffer from this thing called transference. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of that and you know what that's like. You're not getting along with your boss at work. There's a coworker that's rubbing you the wrong way. And the minute you get home and open the door, you just blow up your kids and your spouse. And they had nothing to do with whatever's happening in your life. Some of you have no emotional energy to work on new relationships because you're so consumed by this one event, this one person, you replay it over and over, that by the end of the day, you're wiped out. You've got nothing left to give anybody. And more than likely, that person either doesn't even know that you're upset or may not even be in your life anymore. And we're still letting them control us. And Satan wants to have that foothold. And Paul reminds us, not a good thing. Give your heart to Jesus. Look more like him. Paul says in verse 30, look, anger is spiritually damaging. He says our heart belongs to him, but when we're storing up anger, we're giving up life space that actually belongs to the Son of God. See, the Holy Spirit is trying to grow some things within us to make us different people, to make us look more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit's trying to to grow those fruits of the Spirit within our hearts. But so many times when we try to let Him in, what He finds is a bunch of weeds because we've just harbored the resentment that we've had all these years. So what do we need to do? As the people of God, as people who claim to follow Jesus Christ, what do we need to do? Here it is. 
You need to release it. Now, everybody here just said, wow, Tim, that was brilliant. Why didn't you just start with that? And we could have all gone home early. It is easy to say. It's a simplistic approach, but it is the biblical approach. We release it so that God can deal with it. And it's not minimizing your pain, what you have had to go through. It actually is the opposite. You are saying, I can't deal with this on my own, God, so I need your help. I'm going to give this thing to you. You know what I don't know. You see what I can't see. And so, God, I'm going to trust you in this process. I'm going to trust you to make it right for me. Healing begins with our willingness to let go of our white-knuckled grip of the anger that we're harboring and release that to God. It's a hard thing to do. But trusting that God will come through in his son Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit is what we're called to do. There's an interesting story that plays into this very idea. The early church is up and running. Things are going seemingly great. There's a young guy in Acts chapter 7 by the name of Stephen. He is preaching the word of God. He's telling the gospel story. And at the end of his story, the the religious leaders in Jerusalem cannot hear another word. They rip their clothes. They pull their hair. They grab Stephen. They take him outside. And they begin to stone him to death. This is Stephen's moment. He will not go home tonight. And in verses 57 and 60, you see the interaction that he has. He's looking up to heaven. He sees God. He sees Jesus Christ standing beside God. His face is aglow. And what does he say? Avenge me! No, he doesn't. He says, Father, forgive them. As he passes from this life into the next. And we discover and understand what it means to truly follow Jesus Christ. Some of us are bent on making someone pay. But that's not the life that God's called us to live out. That doesn't look a lot like Jesus. And what we fail to see many times as followers of Christ is that it is not up to those other people. It's up to you. It's not based on them making things right. It's based on you and me looking like Jesus. The call is to look like Jesus. And where do you think Stephen heard those words anyway? As he watched Jesus Christ die on the cross. Because Jesus said that to his killers as well. And he's imitating Jesus in every way. And our challenge this morning as we begin this series together is to let it go. To start building that bridge to the other side. To embrace a brand new way of thinking through how God's called us to live as we interact with one another. It's a call to to not wait but to embrace and start walking across that bridge to to an end result that is going to be better than you ever dreamed of. It's a a call to adopt a new joy-filled way to live life out together to let go and let Jesus reign supreme. You see, on the other side of that bridge is a beautiful marriage. On the other side of that bridge are relationships you never thought you could have. On the other side of that bridge are parents that you actually like to hang out with. On the other side of that bridge is a great relationship with your coworkers. On the other side of that bridge is freedom. On the other side of that bridge is a good night's sleep, and who would want one of those? 
Jesus Christ can and will change your life. But you and I have to surrender fully to him, giving him every piece of our heart to let that Holy Spirit come in and begin to sow the fruit of the Spirit. And part of that is embracing and realizing I need to let go and let God. I need to turn it over to him. I need to trust him knowing he can see what I can't. He knows what I don't. And so, God, I'm going to lean into you and your story and your son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the praise team back to the stage at this time, and our shepherds will be gathered around the wall of this room. My guess is that uh, some of us here this morning are dealing with some tough relationships, some, some tough interactions. And so as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to go to one of our shepherd couples, let them pray for you and over you, let them lay hands on you, and remind you that, that you are a son and daughter of the Most High King and that he loves you, and his desire for you is to have everything in life that he's promised you. But we've got to trust him. We've got to give ourselves to him. Won't you start building that bridge today? Let's stand and sing together.